Hey, everybody. This is Doug, the host of Chalk Talk. Before we jump into today's episode, I invite everyone to go check out platform.com. That's plt4m.com. It's in the link to the the description. We have lots of great content coming out ranging from articles, case studies, and are hearing a lot more from teachers and coaches themselves um, and using platform as a way kind of to share and exemplify their voices. So go check out all those things. You'll have to excuse my voice for today's episode. I've been uh, in the middle of our busy kind of champ season and I have been doing a lot of yelling and cheering on the pool deck. So I'm a little bit raspy, but it is not going to stop us from a great episode with Eric DeVolt. So this is Chalk Talk presented by Platform. Let's go. All right. On today's episode, like I mentioned, we have Eric DeVolt joining us. Eric, thanks so much for jumping on to an episode. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. the invite. Absolutely. Um, you know, we had gotten connected, like so many other great physical education teachers and leaders, just through Twitter and, and kind of getting to check out all the different things that you're up to in the world of physical education. Uh, for folks that maybe you know, or, or checking out an episode for the first time or, or starting to hear, where have you kind of come from in terms of your physical education background to uh, become kind of that professional development leader like you are now? Well, if I start from the very beginning, I um, got to teach my very first physical education lesson as a senior in high school. I was in a class called Teacher's Assistant or TA. And um, I got to observe for a while in a seventh grade class. And then eventually the, the cooperating teacher had me teach a class, lead the warm-ups, lead a game, help with fitness testing, all the, all the things that a PE teacher would do. And that's kind of where I got the, the bug for physical education because I had a really great mentor in uh, my cooperating teacher in high school. Very cool. So obviously a, a very early start into the, the physical education world and, and what from there were you sort of drawn to or why did you kind of continue down the road of, of pursuing this profession? Um, I had great mentors in high school and, and, and uh, great teachers to lead me towards education. And uh, because of their, their leadership in my life and the influence they had, I thought it would uh, be a great honor to just kind of follow in their footsteps and provide other people with what I was given, and uh, that would be mentorship and, and leadership, and and just uh, giving my giving back to what I have gotten from my teachers. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what we're going to spend most of today's episode talking about. Um, now I will actually allow you to describe your own job title um, and what you're doing. Cause I think it's so great and I don't want to uh, misrepresent it. So why don't you, before I do a little intro of it, Eric, what exactly kind of do you do now in, in your role as a kind of uh, teacher ed educator or, or professional development kind of mentor uh, that you do so well now? So I just got a promotion in my school district. I'm a teacher advisor. Basically what that means is for my entire district's, physical education k-12 i provide professional development workshops on the weekends i go into schools and provide mentorship and try to help people get on the right track with a correct pedagogy assessment practices things like that and then i also uh, write grants i give presentations to principals 
and uh, just try to influence uh, the whole district as far as what quality physical education looks like. Right. And that's uh, no small district, is it? Right. You're working with a, a good handful of teachers. I remember uh, before getting on, I, I'm sure you, you don't mind sharing the number that will be uh, quite the oh, wow, once they hear it. Yeah, our district has about a thousand PE teachers. Yeah, that, that is quite the size. And so when you're working with all of those different folks, you're going into different schools, like you mentioned. Um, and, and like I said, we're going to spend some time talking about kind of that professional development. What, what do you kind of go about in terms of approaching teachers or approaching groups and sort of saying, you know, like, here are the building blocks to what I'm aiming to get out of a session or, or when I'm coming in and meeting with folks, what is, are your kind of like main uh, goals in, in any given kind of professional development session? Well, the biggest goal is to make sure that everyone understands how to teach from a standards-based instructional design approach that we are no longer just throwing out the ball. We're not grading on participation, whether they dress and if they behave. And that we're actually teaching the kids how to learn and, and how to uh, just enjoy uh, movement for itself. Great. And it's interesting because obviously that, you know, that shift, some people are like, well, no, duh, that's a no brainer. Uh, most of the folks listening to this podcast obviously share that same sentiment in terms of yes, physical education should have and hold really high standards. Um, what what is that shift like though? Because obviously there are a lot of physical education programs, uh, including a lot that that we work with that have dressing out or you know making sure that they come prepared and those different types of things. What do you try to trend or, or shift away from that and, and why? What, what are you kind of aiming for your teachers to start to focus on as they are, are kind of reshaping what their standards are for their grading process? Well, a lot of our teachers think that since they're not being held accountable to a high standard, we're not part of SBAC testing, we're not part of Common Core, things like that, that they can kind of just do what they want to do but they have to realize that good teaching is good teaching. And that's what we're trying to um, instill in, in our teachers is go out and be the best teacher you can be because you got into the profession for the students. And that's what your goal should be is to help your students uh, become more knowledgeable in the areas of fitness and recreation as much as they can. Right. And a lot of times that's like focusing on some of those things that we talk about in terms of like, and you've used the term, I know, like deeper learning or trying to get kind of into those next steps of what we're really trying to get out of our students and, and different folks. So when you go into those sessions now, you, you've established that's our goal. That's the precedent. How do you start to break that down so teachers can actually implement it or institute it into a daily thing? Because it's one thing, you know, that's the big picture. You know, here's my, you know, almost goal, but now let's break those down, those little pieces of the, the nuts and bolts of those sessions that you're having with different teachers. Right. So we, our, our sessions really focus in on like the California state standards. Some of our teachers don't even know that they exist, which is kind of surprising. Um, so we introduced the standards and the California frameworks, and we just uh, encourage them to in, incorporate some of the lessons that um, were example lessons or model lessons that are given throughout the, the professional development. And uh, we just encourage them to continue doing their best and, and we're always a resource. 
one thing that we do for, I know you mentioned earlier, follow-up is at, at these um, professional developments, we have a, a, an LMS, a learning management system, called Schoology that we use. And so inside Schoology, you can create groups. It's um, kind of like a Facebook group. And so after the professional development is over, we have everyone join, like the middle school or the high school or the elementary school uh, group. And then they can always ask follow-up questions or we can continue posting things in the group, resources, encouragement, things like that to help keep them going. And so it's not just like a one and done type of workshop. Oh, that's great. And, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about this. And this is a little bit of a, a side topic, if you will. But, you know, obviously in larger districts, um, there's a lot of that opportunity to talk to one another and you're creating those spaces like you talked about in Schoology and those other places. But obviously a lot of folks, especially in the physical education world, are sometimes like they're only high school teacher in the district or they're the only ones on this topic matter or things like that. Are there ways that teachers like that, you, you interact with them, or what are the most kind of go-to places that you would suggest for someone looking to be able to kind of continually get feedback or continually get kind of different resources so that they're still kind of going through professional development, even if they're not at, you know, one of the largest school districts like you are um, in the country? Right. I always encourage uh, my teachers to get on Twitter it's uh, some of the best professional development out there. I've been on Twitter for six years, and I've learned more in those six years than I think I did the previous 16 years. It's uh, an incredible environment to be in. There's always people who will encourage you, give you ideas on lessons and assessments, and then just seeing all the different videos and gifs and things that people are placing on, on Twitter. It's just a great encouragement. And I think because of Twitter, that's how I became a better teacher. I saw all the good things that were going on. I was like, oh, I need to step up my game. I want to uh, be better than what I am right now. And my, not only do I think I want to be a better teacher, but my kids deserve it. Right. And kids, you know, deserve it is a great way to shape it and, and think about that type of stuff. And what I really like the idea of that you just touched on is like, you know, there's so much out there just that people are willing to share. And I think – what I find interesting is there's like this world of coaches Twitter that it's like kind of sometimes combative people challenging one another, everything else like that. Physical education Twitter is unbelievable. I, I, I think coaching Twitter in a lot of ways is a great resource as well, but it just seems like physical education teachers have really kind of attached themselves to Twitter and created this really nice space for people to start to interact. Yeah, I think you're right. I've never really come across the negative physical education people on Twitter. They're always there uh, to help and, and give you advice. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, obviously, we've now talked about like the different skills, the different tips and tricks that we're, we're trying to think about. And I want to kind of continue on that path of, of talking about um, sort of the 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 things or the resources that are being provided. What are you giving or, or trying to help teachers with um, in those follow-ups? Because, you know, you mentioned sharing different resources, things like that. Do you have an example or something like, hey, we had a really great session and now I'm starting to provide these teachers with the follow-up resources. Is it the standards? Is it lesson templates? Is it a combination? What are you trying to kind of layer into those types of things? Right. So, 
starting in March, I'm going to be doing a, a workshop series on the health-related components of fitness and showing our, our secondary teachers how to have standards-based lessons and how to create different things that our standards want us to have our students create. So I, I will give them as much as I can during the workshop, but in our Schoology groups, I will be placing, like you said, lesson templates. I'll have some unpacked standards because I want to make it easier for them. I don't want to have the teachers to have to go through the, the process of choosing the standards and unpacking it, then creating the assessment, then creating the unit, then creating the lessons. I want to give them as much as I can to make their job a little bit easier. That's great. And then do you feel like with those types of things, like where, where do you feel as if, um, you know, as maybe it was in your own teaching or maybe now in this new role that people kind of are look, need the most help or might be willing to kind of go outside and find other, other things. Is there something in particular that teachers often have or, or are missing just in their day to day and, you know, are, are looking for, or is it kind of a mix of everything that we're talking about? I think teachers really struggle with assessment um, because it's not really, for most teachers anyways, it's not really taught how to do assessment and create assessment, especially based off a standard in their college program. It seems like most college programs are all based around instruction. So you might have this teacher who can uh, put on a great lesson, but then they're not sure how to go about assessing it. So uh, assessing is a, a big key to uh, what I do. Uh, for the teachers and, and teaching them how to do that effectively and authentically. Right. And I, I like that because it, it's a really good point. You know, there's this a lot of instruction, but then how do we kind of get the other side of it and start to figure out what students are learning and maybe areas that we can improve upon and an assessment's a really good way to do that. Um, for people that listen to this podcast, they know that I like to play devil's advocate uh, in terms of some of the things that I constantly hear in terms of some of the naysayers of PE. So I'm going to throw this one at you, Eric, and I'll, I'll let you unpack it however you feel most appropriate. Um, a lot of times we'll post things out. And we, we shared something recently about like physical education is, a, a, is almost considering it a core subject and, and treating it like we would math or English or anything else like that. And it was met with, PE should be a, a, a pass-fail class. Um, you know, you either did it or you didn't do it, pass or fail, and not really incorporating any other types of grades because of its, because it's PE. Now, wow, of course, that's all uh, I can say. It, <laughs> well, after wow, what is your response when you start to hear people think like PE is kind of secondary or, or you know, second fiddle to some of these other subjects and it really should just be kind of a pass fail subject. What, what's your response to something like that pass? Like, wow, what, what else would you say to that? I would have to say that they don't understand what the content of physical education has to offer. Um, anywhere from a classroom teacher, not understanding all the way up to government officials who make policy it's because if they understood like the brain research about physical activity and how it could uh, sharpen the mind, they would really embrace what physical education has to offer. Um, our, our, our histories for physical education has been um, kind of back and forth, and I think that's why people don't understand how important physical education is. I mean, physical education was first came about to help you know, people prepare for, for military, and then we got on the obesity epidemic, 
And then we got on the brain research side of it, but now we're to physical literacy. And that's really where our bread and butter is, I think. And if people understood uh, how physical literacy can help the whole child, um, I think they would change attitudes and perceptions about what we have to offer. Right. And then as you start to do that, what would be something that you would say like, all right, we're going to assess out and I'll, I'll use, um, if you will, maybe like a strength and conditioning course, um, because that's what a lot of our listeners are teaching and, and kind of instructing on. A, a, and we talk a lot about different ways that people like to assess success in those. Do you mind or, or would you be willing to try to unpack that one in terms of like, hey, this is what we're aiming for. It's a, it's a class that is, you know, students learning the basic concepts of strength and conditioning, how to use barbells, weights, et cetera, foundational movements. And after all that instruction, we're aiming towards the assessment of blank. How would you unpack that? Or how would you help a teacher start to evaluate what they're going to assess in an instruction or a class like that? Right. So honestly, I haven't had to teach a lot of strength and conditioning classes, but over my 20 plus years of experience, what I would say is that we have to make sure we're assessing learning, not fitness. So in a strength and conditioning class, of course, you want to teach the students how to do the proper uh, lifts and see that they're getting stronger. But it's more important, I think, that we teach the kids that um, uh, lifelong fitness is the key. And this is one way to do that through sure. strength and conditioning. And so I think a strength and conditioning class is great. Um, hopefully a, a strength and conditioning class wouldn't focus in on just one type of strength and conditioning um, um, way, like just weightlifting. It might, it might incorporate a bunch of different ways to, to show students that there's many options out there. It's not just one way to stay strong and fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, so obviously, you know, incorporating those different types of things, not assessing on fitness, but their overall development and learning. And like you mentioned, making sure that we're kind of giving that full picture of what's available and the different options. And I think that's an awesome way to approach it. Um, so then from there, with a teacher that's saying, all right, by the end of the semester, I want to know kind of how students have progressed or what they've learned and what they've been able to do. Do you find that you try to incorporate different types of assessment, written, like demonstration, different ways that you're kind of encompassing a full grade? Because obviously it's a movement-based class. How do you try to layer in the different forms of assessment in anything, especially, again, maybe just continuing in that same vein of like a strength and conditioning class? Right. So I always go back to the standard. What does the standard say for that class? If it's a, a knowing type of verb in that standard, then they might have to write something or tell me something. If it's a demonstration verb in the standard, then they're going to have to demonstrate what they've learned. So just going back to the standard, and when you unpack it, and you, what you have to do is you have to assess those verbs in the standard. So it all depends on what that verb is. Is it perform, demonstrate, or is it tell me this or list that? It just depends on what the, the verb in the standard says, and that's what determines the assessment. Right. So it sounds like what you're typically doing in, in your work is helping teachers maybe guide and figure out what the standard is and, and really trying to keep that 
um, flow from standard to assessment? Is that really one of your main focuses and, and what you try to aim towards or? Definitely because um, the state or the national standards, whichever you follow is, should be your guideline. It shouldn't just be whatever comes out of your head. Um, you can create your lessons however you want to create them, but the assessments that, that actually show and prove student learning should come from those standards. Right. And you mentioned, and I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think on this, is that some teachers might not know the standards or some teachers might not be accustomed to the standards. What, what is your typical way of going about trying to make sure that we line up the different standards, whether it's, you know, local, state, how do you do that? Obviously, California has its own, and then there's other ones that maybe are a little bit more up for interpretation at a national level. Where do you try to break down the different standards along the way as you are setting up those different types of standard-based learning? So I guess depending on what the, the lesson is, if I want to teach a, an invasion games unit, I would go through for high school course two in California, there's three overarching standards. The first one is about manipulative and locomotor type of activities. The second one is the health and fitness. And the third one is social emotional. So I would go through all of my standards and see which ones relate to uh, invasion games. And then I would pull those out and then I would say, okay, which ones are going to be my power standards for this unit? The, the main ones I think the kids need to know. And I would try to intertwine standards from all three of the overarching standards to make sure that they're getting the cognitive, the psychomotor, and the effective domains reached in, in that unit. Cool. Very cool. And that, that, I think, is a really nice way to try to weave those different things together and to try to just bring it back to, to kind of summarize before we wrap up on the podcast. Obviously, there are a lot of different ways that teachers can do that. There's a lot of different um, opportunities to do that within the different classes and settings that, that folks are doing it in. Um, do you, have you ever found that there's different types of like uh, pedagogies or ways that folks are doing it that it's easier to do than others? Do you find that teachers kind of attach themselves to one way or another? Um, it, or is it kind of open to interpretation and it's just kind of teacher preference? Yeah, I think it's more teacher preference because you can do use different models. You can use the inquiry-based approach. You are teaching games for understanding or game sense or sport education. Um, I think each unit and the teacher's um, comfortability with the type of pedagogy they use is what determines how it's taught. Um, so I might teach invasion games using a, TGU, a TGFU approach. Right. But I might teach teach uh, gymnastics um, as an inquiry-based approach. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And as you start, as we do start to wrap up, is there anything else kind of as takeaways or things that you really tried to um, bestow upon your teachers and folks that we haven't touched on yet, or just kind of anything else in terms of like a final message that you share with teachers as they do start to kind of transition or, or shift the way that they're teaching and assessing in their classes? Yeah, I always remind my teachers that it's not an easy process. You've been doing things either the way you were taught or the way that you were um, graded when you were in school. And so to make that, that shift, is, uh, it can be hard. It can be a process that you're not going to make changes overnight. And 
that just keep on persevering and doing your best to do what's right for the kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned that you have some workshops coming up and you mentioned that there's a lot of different ways that you're working with folks. And I know that you are pretty active on Twitter yourself. Uh, do you want to spend maybe a minute or two just kind of explaining or, or almost letting folks know how they can kind of interact or engage with you if they're looking for development opportunities, even if they're not in your district or, or in your area? Sure. I have a website called the Phys Ed Coach, and it's simply thephysedcoach.com. You can contact me there and see any resources that I have, or you can contact me on Twitter at Mr. Physical Ed. And uh, those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. Awesome. And those are great resources, I think, for a lot of different teachers and, and folks. Do you get uh, people from all across the country, or how has that response been to, for, for your phys ed coach kind of thing that you've been launching and doing you know, for a while now? Yeah, I've, I've got people from uh, the U.S., Canada, England, Australia who uh, come to my website and participate in and uh, conversations with me there and, and who use my resources. That's really cool. Well, that's awesome. Um, and certainly a, a really cool um, opportunity for folks all over the place, all over the world, like you just said, to be able to kind of develop their skills in physical education. I think for our listeners, I would, I would recommend you go check it out. Um, and I will make sure that we put links into all of those different types of things in the podcast description, um, as well as on our blog post, so people can go find all those different ways to interact with Eric. Um, Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. This was an awesome pleasure. Thanks for having me, Doug. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So go check all of that stuff out. Eric was more than happy to be a resource. And remember, here at Platform, it's always in pursuit of better.